This is Karsh, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Martin Popoff here. Welcome back again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcasts. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this fast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Simplecast, and over 40 other podcast platforms. Thanks again for joining us. Okay, so this is episode 159. I'm calling this Psychedelic 90s Metal. I was going to just call it psychedelic metal, but then that might make you think 70s, 2000s. I, I wanted to talk about a specific thing here to remind you folks about some cool bands that uh, are going to get forgotten if we don't keep thinking about them and checking them out. Um, and these all fit within this uh, very specific thing. Now, what I love about this idea and, and the bands we're going to play here is it's almost like the alternative to grunge. I mean, you had hair metal happening big, and then there were certain ways, grunge being the biggest one, uh, where heavy metal evolved in a certain direction. Um, it, uh, it got more thoughtful. People kind of like, uh, you know, re-engineered what it meant to be heavy, and bands went off in certain directions. Um, the reason I say all this uh, is because, okay, so there's grunge. There's what we're going to talk about, psychedelic 90s metal. Uh, but there's also even things like, if you think about it, uh, Black Crows, for example. Black Crows started as sort of a hair metal band with a faces humble pie shtick to them. But soon they evolved, really starting with the second record and then on they became more of a universal jam bandy, U2 rattle and hum <laughs> kind, of a, kind of a situation. So that's one small microcosmic example of uh, you know, re-engineering coming from a hair metal space or a, or a heavy metal space. Grunge being the other, this thing we're going to talk about here being the other. So psychedelic 90s metal, what is it? So essentially what you're going to hear with these bands is, um, you know, you think of... Uh, you think of heroin chic with grunge, or just heroin, forget the chic part. Um, but you are, you can also kind of apply that here. You think about these bands as smoking a lot of pot. You think about these bands as acid. What it definitely isn't. It isn't cocaine and booze of any sort uh, with these sorts of bands. It just it just feels like it's in that psychedelic space, like like old sixties uh, music. But then, okay, so you you've got true psychedelia, which is which is the sixties stuff. I I want to maybe name some antecedents before we get to our very first first one. The big antecedent, I think, is Black Sabbath um, at their most psychedelic. Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, Sabotage. Um, what else? Maybe somewhat the first album and the second album, not so much the third album or the fourth album. And of course, not so much Technical Ecstasy or Never Say Die, except Never Say Die has some pretty strange Krautrocky moments on it. Um, but they're kind of the main antecedent, and then you can think of even somewhat band, uh, you know, bands in that. Remember that whole thing we called funk metal before, uh, where there's uh, you know Scatterbrain, Uncle Kid Joe, but mainly bands like I would say Minutemen, Firehose, leading into Faith No More. 
So that's kind of one little piece of it. But the big piece of it from down there, from down LA area, is um, Jane's addiction. So Jane's addiction, a uh, big antecedent, I think, to this whole thing. They start really strange with a live album, like that is so weird, who does that? Well, I think we even have a whole episode about that uh, here in History and Five Songs. Um, but So they start with the live album, but the, but the big, huge classic is the Nothing's uh, Shocking album. So that, I think, is 1988. Uh, and then the second album is not so well received, and then, you know, they kind of morph into porno for pyros in a way, uh, which which also isn't all that great. So... So part of all this is is the same sort of danger that you get out of grunge, you know, of what you do with your career because you're just so creative and strange and flighty and you just do what you want sort of thing, right? So there's a little bit of an element to that, um, to this whole thing. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, uh, a few other things that you might want to apply to this, kind of like uh, spirituality, um, you know, tribalness, uh, Native American, uh East Indian sounds. Uh, now, here's another thing, and I may even do an entire episode on this, and it's not so much of a positive, it's closer to kind of a negative, but I was even thinking of doing uh, two episodes and, uh, and, one, and calling one of them uh, Norwegian wood metal, which is sort of this idea of uh, taking from the psychedelic things that the Beatles did and... Uh, and creating this kind of metal. Now, most of these bands have a bunch of that to them, but <laughs> when I talk about that thing, it's a very specific thing that I really hate, and, and I hear it in the hair metal bands that went grunge, and I think we have a whole episode called Hair Metal Goes Grunge, and you can really hear, I, I definitely talk about that aspect of it. That is part of these bands, but um, an interesting thing about that whole that whole thing is that you, you, could, you could find... Not so much, so, so much too many bands that do that, but there's a lot of examples of when each specific band did one or two songs like that, and it just drives me nuts. Slaughter, Dawkins, Def Leppard, a lot of the hair metal bands. Usually it's signaled because here comes that sitar, right? It's the sitar thing. Um, and, then, and then there's a certain kind of um, smeary, Beatlesque harmony thing that goes on. Um, and what made me think about that is that what you're also going to hear with some of these bands is that Beatlesque thing, but more more so I think uh, the uh, in the attention to harmonies and good singing. So you get that uh, with a lot of these bands as well. All right, let's move on to our first selection here, and uh, very specifically, I picked something not from the '90s to kick us off because this is the other big antecedent. Take a listen to this. This is King's X with Far Far Away. All right, so I wanted to start with the song from the first King's X album, uh, Out of the Silent Planet, which came out in uh, 1988, Megaforce Atlantic. And I, I actually went through all the tracks to look for a specific sound, and I got all the way up to track 8 out of 10 to find it. But what you hear in this is, uh, is a whole bunch of the Beatles-esque thing and the psychedelic. Um, 
And and what King's X adds to that is the the alternate tunings and that whole sort of Moroccan Turkish Middle Eastern Led Zeppelin-y thing, which uh, you know you can get from alternate tunings as well. But but that's a very big sort of uh, thing about the King's X sound, and you do get the Beatles-esque melodies in the in the chord sequence or the chord sequences and structures and changes but you also get that in the harmonies um but you also get that or i mean in in the vocal melodies but you also get that in uh just the attention to the harmonies uh with this band as well another thing i want to say about king's x that applies to all of these bands that i think is somewhat true and it's sort of a theory you can test me on it you can let me know on facebook but i know for example that you know uh the grunge bands were somewhat inspired by what King's X was doing. And uh, and I think you get a really cool, uh, creative, kicking each other, ki- kicking each other's asses feedback loop that goes on between these types of bands that we're talking about here and those grunge bands. So I think there was just a lot of uh, creativity going on all over the place. And actually, I'm looking around here. Yeah, not a single one of these bands is from Seattle. Um, so I, I think uh, I think there's a lot, you know, the grunge bands kind of got all the glory and all the record sales, but I think there was just a good, healthy, creative atmosphere going on with this whole death of the hair metal thing. And this is this is that alternate, you know, the alternate, alternate, met, alternative metal thing that isn't grunge that we're talking about here. And these are more or less unsung bands. And King's X is probably the biggest of these unsung bands that we're going to show here. But again, I, I really like this idea that um, I think that the type of creativity you were getting out of these bands, and like I said, Jane's Addiction and Faith No More um, and early Smashing Pumpkins uh, is, is affecting and making that grunge music better as well. Before we move on, uh, one more antecedent I wanted to, uh, I hope I'm using that word right, uh, that I wanted to point out is Soundgarden. Um, because Soundgarden is one of those grunge bands, but first of all, they're the they're the more or less the earliest one, um, you know, leaving out something like a Green River. Um, but they're early, and um, and they are actually the most psychedelic. So they're actually the one band that is the closest in sound to what we're talking about here, this psychedelic '90s metal thing. Um, so they they are they are a big part of the influence on these bands as well. And and really much of what we're going to show here, um, you know. Kind of almost fits into that grunge from away thing, anyways, because there's there's a pretty pretty big closeness between this psychedelic '90s metal idea and grunge. But you know, when you when you break it all down, Alice in Chains is not so much this way. Nirvana is even farther away from this. Melvins are far away from this. Uh, Pearl Jam is far away from this. So really, uh, it it is mainly Soundgarden. Uh, if you want to pick the you know the one band. From the whole grunge thing or one bigger band that uh, that lines up with this stuff at all um, all right let's move on to our second track this is last crack with wicked sandbox <laughs>
Okay, so for your homework assignment, if you don't know these bands, um, this is the one I want you to go play after we're done with this. Last Crack, Burning Time. This is their second album. So these guys are from Wisconsin. Their first album is called Sinister Funk House Number 17. Um, but the Burning Time album came out um, on Road Racer 1991. And I know we featured them once before on the episode that was called You Didn't Have to Be There. And the reason they were in that episode is because when you listen to most of this Burning Time album, it's the idea is that the genius is just like right there served to you on a silver platter. You didn't have to be there. You don't have to know who these guys were. It's timeless. It's genius. Uh, and that and that was the whole point of that episode. Certain bands, you know, when I talk to Pete Pardo about punk, for example, there's, there's an element of you had to be there. I, I can't go play Pete a 1977 punk album and say, oh, isn't that great? Because, because on the face of it, it doesn't sound great. So the point is, is on the face of it, Last Crack Burning Time is an absolute metal masterpiece a progressive metal masterpiece a psychedelic 90s metal masterpiece and a point i wanted to make here with this is so so it's led by this enigmatic frontman called butto who has a little bit of a jim morrison thing to him who else has that jeff martin from the tea party they are an honorable mention in this they are somewhat a psychedelic 90s metal band but I really feel that Jim Morrison has a fair bit to do with everything we're talking about here because another one of my honorable mentions is The Cult and Ian Asbury has that to it as well. So, you know, The Doors, they were probably a very cool and kind of off to the side and obscure version of a psychedelic 60s band, but um, they almost feel like that they are the, um, they are the biggest influence on this thing we're talking about today psychedelic 90s metal uh so yeah that was last crack wicked sandbox it's absolutely gorgeously recorded uh hang on let me just check this again oh it's not on the back i think it's i think it's dave jordan who uh, produced this right yeah dave jordan uh sounds amazing um you know they had a live album as well and then they came back later with a um, kind of a reunion album but the first one's amazing and the second one is an absolute drop dead you didn't have to be there at the time you just put it on and you go wow these guys are geniuses so go play last crack um burning time uh all right uh this episode of history and five songs with martin popoff is sponsored by better help without a healthy mind being truly happy and at peace is hard the good news is therapy works but what is therapy exactly it's whatever you want it to be maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work not dealing well with stress whatever you need it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy and now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help better help is a customized online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to it's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset and special offer to history and five songs with martin popoff listeners you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash five songs. That's betterhelp.com slash five songs. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Okay, our third band here on psychedelic 90s metal. Take a listen to this. This is Saigon Kick with Peppermint Tribe. 
Okay, love Saigon Kick. Um, this band, they're from uh, the American South. I can't remember where exactly. I didn't didn't look it up, but uh, yeah, great, amazing debut album. Not a great album cover, just this kind of black and white four you know four headshot thing, and then this kind of like an army logo in the middle. Doesn't look like much. Produced and mixed by Michael Wagner for Double Trouble Productions. Um, had a bit of a hit on it with uh, What You Say, uh, and on this one you hear. You hear like equal parts, last vestiges of hair metal or late period thoughtful hair metal. Um, you also hear some some down and dirty grinding grunginess. And you also hear the big attention to Beatles-esque harmonies and singing in general and arrangements. Um, so that's kind of the cool deal about Saigon Kick. Um, you know, Jason Beeler, uh, kind of the musical mastermind of the band, and then Matt Kramer, um, the lyricist and singer. I remember seeing these guys live once. How, how did that work? I think it was them backing up Extreme at Massey Hall. Um, the second album was called The Lizard. Now they're on a big, they're on a major label here. They're on Atlantic for these records. Um, and the second one had a little bit of a hit with Feel the Same Way, which has a really Faith No More sort of melody to start off with. It's kind of like a like a good poppy, hard, rocky song, uh, which again, you can't, you can't place it in hair metal. You can't place it anywhere. It's almost like, you know, grunge is a, is a big difference from hair metal and Saigon Kick is just this adjustment where you go, hmm, they're not as stupid as regular hair metal guys. They're kind of like intellectual with what they do. Uh, and then they had a much bigger hit with Love is on the Way. So this is their extreme more than words in a way. This is just like a mellow ballad uh, that doesn't doesn't have the sort of like a fecund, creative uh, feel of, uh, of what this band is all about. I mean, they called their album The Lizard. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, really, really cool band. Um, later on, they had uh, Water. And uh, at this point, uh, oh, actually, yeah, they're still on Atlantic, but uh, yeah, things are going downhill there. So this is Third Stone Records slash Atlantic 1993. Later on, they had Devil in the Details. I think along the way, they lose Matt Kramer. Matt Kramer, my, my fond memory of Matt, well, I, I, I interviewed him once. I don't think I've ever interviewed Jason, unfortunately. But uh, Matt, yeah, he, um, so he put out this solo album called War and Peas, P-E-A-S, and he sent me up a t-shirt, which I wore a lot uh, for quite a while there. I'm not sure where it is right now. But the CD is one of those where in the in the little gutter, um, he had put in, I think he had put in like dried peas in the thing. And it was a pretty cool album. It's kind of like a Saigon Kick album. Um, but the neat thing about this band, uh, and, and if I can reference now uh, another one of my honorable mentions, is that there's a little bit of that in, in, the, uh, in the big vocals. There's a little bit of the Enough's Enough thing in here. Now, Enough's Enough doesn't quite fit into this, but they do fit into the Psychedelic Beatles thing, and they, and they also fit into the more straight mainline, mainline Poppy Beatles thing. So there's, there's like a, a throughput from the Beatles through Elvis Costello, through Cheap Trick, to Enough's Enough, and Enough's Enough happens to be from... Uh, Chicago. Um, and um, 
And so they have a fair bit of that as well. But yeah, they do the psychedelic thing. But usually when they do the psychedelic thing, it really feels like the Beatles version of the psychedelic thing. Um, so there's a little little crossover with Saigon Kick. All right, let's play our fourth selection. Take a listen to this. This is Liquid Jesus with Better or Worse. All right, love this Liquid Jesus album. It's called Pour in the Sky. This is probably the most out there and creative of these bands. Uh, this is a this is a really cool minor masterpiece. Um, you know, you might not get into it the same way I do. It's a little more jam bandy and grindy and a little dirtier on the production, but there's just surprises all over the place. It's got mellowness and alternative rockness and grunginess and heaviness, and it also has a real sort of queen joie de vivre to it and a real sort of brian Maness in in some of the guitars um i don't know much about the band i never really learned much about them i don't think i've interviewed anybody from the band but this pour in the sky album was really cool to me and they have this live album as well and i think one other not sure what they did after this um don't really know too many of the guys in the band but i just remember in the early 90s so pour in the sky what is the year on this? So they so it was on MCA, right? So MCA 1991, um, and not very very good album covers. They're sort of like um, uh, semi abstract figurative artwork. It's probably someone in the band or a friend of the band or something. But they're you, you know it's kind of like that love hate thing where someone in the band does your your artwork or someone close to the band, and it's it just. Um, you know, it's a strange name name of the band too. I never liked Jesus in in band names because I used to get them all confused. Jesus Christ, Jesus Jones. Um, there's another one I think there. Um, but uh, but yeah, so not a great name of the band or artwork, and I think that might have hurt them a little. But it's interesting. You look at you look at the band shot of them on the back alive, and they look truly like a a full on jam band. They're wearing psychedelic clothes those big hats that cover your dreadlocks whatever they're called like there's two of those in here there's kind of a bucket hat um there's one guy here with kind of long blonde tinted hair and in a in a paisley vest so he's kind of got the black crows look to it um you've got the uh you know, there's a guy with the green green and uh, black kind of leg warmer high socks and really really colorful clothes floral patterns so so there's a you remember uh, what the heck were they called Oh, that annoying band. There were a couple of them back then. Not Dave Matthews' band, but the uh, the other, uh, the guys with that hit. Oh, ah, anyways, there was uh, that sort of jam band thing going on around that, that time. You know, you had widespread panic and all that. Um, and this feels a little bit like that. Um, but but more metal and and more queen and more alternative and cool um and another band i think that is somewhat adjacent to liquid jesus but takes it a little further would be someone like a blind melon which was again even even one step further down the jam band thing but again kind of like psychedelic uh, as well um so yeah love this liquid jesus album uh pour in the sky mca 91 that was better or worse all right, let's move on to our next selection. This is our last one. This is Mind Funk with Goddess. Yes, my hand, 
All right, so Mind Funk. This is another band that didn't do well, and they all kind of have the same trajectory, don't they? Um, they started out on a major label, so 1991, Sony Music, epic. Um, the the album um, that uh, this song is from that we just played is from Dropped, um, and it is on Megaforce, so 1993. Produced, engineered, and mixed by Terry Date. It doesn't have that Terry Date sound to it, but... Um, so, so that's that one. And then they have People Who Fell From The Sky, which is, I think, oh, well, it's a couple years. Yeah, 1995, and now they're on Music for Nations. So, yeah, and it's interesting. People Who Fell From The Sky has like a totem pole on it, and it's got, you know, it's got a song called Super Chief. And, you know, this is a band that has, you know, you've heard me talk about that Geronimo riff idea, right? Like that sort of war dance sort of melody that you could get, the Tony Iommi sort of... Um, used a lot and you can hear it in Soundgarden and believe it or not you can even hear it in a few places on Def Leppard Pyromania but Mindfunk has a little bit of that um, but Mindfunk out of all these bands is probably the band that is closest to just a grunge from away band uh, but it is quite psychedelic and, and it's not hitting you with hooks or up-tempo stuff it's quite a, kind of wallowy and, and swirly um, but they were a really cool band um, terrible terrible name of the band Mindfunk so it makes you feel and even the first album cover looks a bit like a like a funk metal I, I guess it looks psychedelic as well but it also looks funk metal and also looks a bit Voivodian as well and then the second album that, that we just played this from dropped has got this totally kind of like abstract stained glass looking thing nothing written on the cover um so yeah they they weren't very communicative that way um and again yeah not not a great name of the band or is saigon kick or liquid jesus or who else last cracking a good name of a band <laughs> so that's a kind of a funny trend going on here but so yeah so these guys are closest to that idea of um of a, a true grunge from away, kind of heavy, doomy, but still very psychedelic band. All right, a few other honorable mentions I wanted to mention are uh, Masters of Reality. They kind of feel like they, they could fit in this a little bit. Extreme kind of went this way, but it was more the Beatles-esque thing. So when Extreme gets to three sides, uh, three sides, different, what, three, Oh, whatever it's called. Um, you know, the, the one and a half uh, length album there. Um, that that one, Three Sides to Every Story, I think that's it. That one definitely has a little bit of that psychedelic thing. But again, it's the psychedelic Beatles thing that actually annoys me. Jellyfish. Um, there you go. Beatles, Queen, but not so much. Not not all that heavy. I mentioned Blind, Ella, Blind Melon. Uh, the Big F as well. They were kind of a cool one. Kind of swirling and tribal and heavy and... Uh, you know, dissonant, um, but that that was a neat band down this road as well. The Front, people mention sometimes. I mentioned the Tea Party. I Mother Earth uh, from Canada here, from Toronto. They were fairly psychedelic, but also close to a grunge from away, um, but also kind of funky as well. So they brought in the funk metal thing, which you're kind of hearing from some of these bands a little bit, right? Um, the Cult I mentioned, and again, um, just to reiterate, the um, the Native American thing going on with the cult, the the Jim Morrison Ian Asbury thing, the spiritual thing, a word I haven't mentioned here, the messianic thing. So there's kind of a messianic quality to some of these bands, um, and I suppose that's more like, but yeah, I guess it is more like the Jim Morrison thing, anyways, because that that makes me think of Jeff Martin and Butto, and uh, but you know, it's kind of there is a, there is a sort of heroic, very creative. Are these guys as genius? 
genius's quality um, to this psychedelic 90s metal stuff. So I think you get that there. I mentioned the Black Crows, and I kind of feel like they... There, there's the spirit of that in, in that uh, with them. Um, Agents of, of Oblivion, the post-Acid Bath band, I think that's there. And then, you know, the, the late period grunge bands, I suppose, got a little more Soundgarden in them and a little less the other bands, I suppose, some of them. And one of those would be My Sister's Machine, which I love. That's, that's a great, great band. Um, so they're kind of down that way uh, as well. Um, so there you go. Uh, that is the the uh, psychedelic 90s metal primer. Um, let me know who I forgot. I'm sure there's a bunch I forgot. I just kind of went to to the first ones that I really liked and didn't really comb the big CD wall um, to, to kind of go through this or, or really look up anything. Um, if you like the show and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi, rhymes with no fee, apparently, uh, at co-fee.com slash martinpopoff. Hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint. Um, we've got a big internet outage up here in um, a lot of Canada apparently today with Rogers. So um, I didn't uh, go look up who the latest Kofi uh, contributors were since I did the last episode. Um, so I'm just going to thank everybody from last week again. So so thanks again uh, for getting involved and keeping this show going and turning it into kind of like a neat little weekly, uh, not weekly, but an, an hourly wage to kind of put the show together and do it, which takes two, three hours kind of thing, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I'd like to thank Joe Becht, Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, Bruce Campbell, Steve Eads, David Fisher, Jeremy French, Ryan Gavalier, Michael Gendelman, Nicholas Kilmer, David Moore, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, Steve Polari, Mark Priest, Merrick Rosansky, Brian Sager, Stephen Samchuk, David Shoemaker, and John Stuckey. Again, I, I, um, I should just explain. So yeah, the internet's completely down. But um, when I open my email in Outlook, I've kind of I've kind of got you know those emails in one place, and that's where I make up my little list of who's uh, who's been so kind enough to contribute. But it's almost like if I open Outlook, I might corrupt it um, when the internet's down. So I just don't want to touch. But yeah, it's been down all day. It's uh, you know we're we're halfway through the day, and the internet's still down. It's big news. I I was driving around and heard on the radio. It's like wow, this is all over the place, and transactions are down, and you know so it's it's kind of a big deal. I, ho- I hope it gets up soon. But uh, anyway. Anyways, um, there you go. Uh, you know, check out martinpopoff.ca um, for these drawings I've been doing. I've been making prints and selling prints and doing the little card sets and stuff. And I might do some more uh, ads coming up, um, but I, I will probably do. I'll probably do another illustration or two today with the internet down. Um, and martinpopoff.com for all the books. This is a super quiet time of the year. Um, but yeah, I still have stock of um, of almost everything. There's there's really not much uh, I'm out of at this point. Mo- most stuff uh, is all in print. Uh, so there you go. Thanks again for visiting and um, go play some of these bands. I'd really like to hear what you think of Liquid Jesus as as well. I'm kind of curious, and I'm not curious what you think of Last Crack because I know you're just gonna love it. I mean, it's it's like I know the answer. You're gonna play that and just go crazy and go, wow, this this was so cool. How did I miss this album? Start to finish that thing. It just it just sounds like a band that should have they're, they're almost like the heavy metal U2 and they should have been as big as U2 uh, but in my mind they're better than U2 there you go talk to you later find all of our shows notes social and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts all songs can be found for purchase on iTunes Spotify or Google Play please Purchase these great and important tracks.
Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. <laughs>